0: Welcome to the Unpolished MBA. I'm your host, Monique Mills. Many times entrepreneurs are called unpolished because they are scrappy and do things in unconventional ways. Well, I like the name Unpolished MBA so much that I even trademarked it. So on this podcast, we commend those with practical experience because they've proven time and time again that one can be successful in business even if they don't have a formal MBA degree. So on each episode, we discuss topics related to business and entrepreneurship, and I've been told that my guests and I provide insights and inspiration to aspiring and current entrepreneurs alike. So this is the place where you can come and hear real life stories that can help you navigate both challenges and opportunities in business. Now let's jump into the next episode.
1: So I think that's really what I wanna make sure we talk about because yes, people do have questions about okay, you were a full professor. Yes. And you chuck the deuces.
0: Yes. What the what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> come again. Yeah. <laughs> How yes come? And, right. <laughs> and as some of the most influential universities and some of the most right. excellent ones, you've been a part of their staff. Um, yeah. and yeah, so I, we, we have to dig into that. So with that, I'm going to get started into this interview and just introduce you to the unpolished VA podcast, Brandeis Marshall. PhD. Welcome to the podcast. Wonderful to be here. Monique extraordinaire. (laughs) (laughs) I love how we pump each other up. You know, we need that because this world can be heavy sometimes. Yes. Especially of late years. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, um, I want to thank you for joining and being, you know, getting ready to be so transparent in a lot of of your journey, um, which kind of have taken you through like a STEM degree through being PhD and professor and now a full-time entrepreneur. And yeah, you have, I thought my story was interesting. I'm (laughs) like intrigued by yours. Um, but (laughs) I want to (laughs) start, I want to start with one of the recent um, postings you've done on Medium. And it was about you leaving academia. First of all, how did you get there? Was that your initial plan to become a professor and researcher when you, let's say, started out with your STEM degree in undergrad? No, I thought
1: I was going to do the traditional path. I was going to get the undergrad degree in computer science. I was then going to go to a corporation and be at a corporation for years upon years, moving and and getting promoted as the traditional path is. Um, And then I was going to retire at whatever, 65.
0: That's, that's what, what we I thought.
1: all thought. Yeah, that's what we all thought. Mm-hmm. That was what happened. And I went to school in the uh, and went to college in the late 90s. So there was this dot com boom bust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was like, okay, this boom is going to bust. <laughs> and I need <laughs> another plan mm-hmm. because I was not confident in the ability for technology as a, you know, industry to sustain itself with this boom. Mm -hmm. And so I was right, as most black women are. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so I made my way to graduate school. Mm-hmm. and said, if I'm just going to be in grad school, and I said, well, I'm here, I might as well get the PhD because this education thing, I'm going to take it to the end. <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to take it to the end. Um, you know, education was always, you know, imparted upon me as something no one can take away. Um, again, yeah. part of Black
0: culture. That's the culture. That is correct. And, and yeah. so I was like,
1: okay, I'm just going to do this PhD thing and then we'll figure it out. hmm Um, and then while I was in graduate school, I was a teacher's assistant for way too many years (laughs) inside (laughs) of graduate school. Um, and, and then I decided I wanted to be a professor because of course I had never had a black professor. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be a black professor and I really didn't like the corporate angle. Yes. Um, and so I was like, I can do this professor thing. This is, you know, I get quote unquote summers off. Um, I get to impart knowledge. I get to make an impact. I have a a passion for teaching. Um, And so I said that that's going to be a good path for me. So that's the route I went on. Mm -hmm. And even as an assistant professor, I thought I wanted to be in leadership because I wanted to make bigger impact, of course, to usher in more people who looked like me into the discipline mm-hmm. and so i had aspirations for being a department chair then a dean and then eventually a college president mm-hmm. um and wow. that's what happened while i was an assistant professor
0: all right let's take a moment to thank the biggest sponsor of the unpolished nba that's tpm focus TPM Focus is a strategy consulting firm that helps startups and small business owners generate revenue and find their way to profitability when they're launching a new product or in a new market. So reach out to TPMFocus.com. TPM stands for the Profit Matters. Focus.com.
1: As I moved from being an assistant professor to being tenured, at the associate professor level that's when I was like oh, okay where I'm at right now I don't see myself getting full professorship because I understood the game by this point
0: Yeah. Right? people don't understand and- how political universities are right that part yep <laughs> a moment of silence mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um and so I moved institutions because I was like, if I'm going to make an impact, I want to make it to people who look like me uh, and, and that's what I'm gonna do. And so I moved institutions, of course, being in a sunnier, less snowy region was definitely high on the list <laughs> for me, <laughs> me and the family. Um, and given you know, um, our parents were in the South as well, it made a lot of sense in order to move Um, so I was like, great. I'm now on that trajectory. And I figured I was going to have to move institutions again, understanding the game. You tend to only get promoted a certain level at uh, uh, your current place of employment before you have to kind of transition and move on. That is correct. Yep. Um, but then things just went left girl. They went, they went left and they went off the cliff. So um,
0: I saw okay. where you mentioned about becoming a department chair and that's yes. such a coveted, coveted position that, you know, a lot of people aspire to. So yeah. they're like, wait a minute. What, what, what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah it wasn't all what it was cracked. No, it was
1: not. And that's a whole nother um, conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll just briefly say that being a department chair, you are middle management. Mm -hmm. And being middle management for all those who are in middle, middle management, my condolences. Um, it is a spot where you are a problem solver to everybody and nobody is happy and including you, (laughs) Oh, that part. Yeah. And that's what I found out. That's what I experienced. And on top of that, I had research grants that were federally funded with very limited to no administrative support. Hmm. So that means that I was not only a department chair that was, you know, I was paid a little extra, right? Like 5% of my salary, right? Mm -hmm. I was paid a little extra to, to be in this particular rotation but it accounted for like 95% of the work. But that means I also was teaching classes. I also was running and leading research grants. Mm-hmm. I also was um, research advisor. I was academic advisor. I was doing a bunch of different things. As You were spread
0: too thin. Can I just that yes. what it is? Yeah, yeah. very That's thin. Ridiculous. It sounds like totally being taken advantage of, um, in order to have the title. Exactly. To to be taken advantage of. Got it. Mm.
1: Yeah. And so that was really the shift for me was after being in that position, um, for two and a half years, it was supposed to be three. Um, yes, I was removed and then, I decided I needed to start to own my own IP. And that meant me understanding my own worth and understanding my talent and understanding that I can do without the adornment of an
0: institution. Mm -hmm. The adornment and the oversight. And the oversight, yes. Because some people think that And a a lot of people feel as if they need the affirmation of someone who they believe to be smarter than higher than better than them Mm -hmm. in order to be excellent at what they do. And that is not true. A lot of times, you know, more than the folks that you're working for and you can run circles around them. And so, um, I wanted to point that out, but I want to go back to what you just said about you wanted to own your i your own IP, your own intellectual property. So what does that consist of in a role like what you were in? Is that your research or?
1: Yes, it it was my research, um, primarily, because that was part of what they wanted to take from me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's done in ways that are set up to be helpful. Um, Right? Just go to a meeting, have a conversation. Well, then they're picking your brain. That's what mm-hmm. you say. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for me, owning my own intellectual property was assessing what my value was and what I was contributing to, to the conversations for a long time. I didn't
0: realize I was running circles around those in leadership. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't, but you don't realize it because they play it so cool. That's a, that's another thing. They're, rose at that. I've learned from some of the best politicians about how it works. Yeah. Um, So that's how, that's how they're able to maintain this hierarchy of power Mm -hmm. um, and for you to feel as if you can't do things or accomplish things or do more um, without them.
1: Correct. And so once I started to understand that people were coming were reaching out to me, not because of the position and the title, but because of my thoughtfulness or my insightful commentary. I was like, oh, snap. Oh, I need to charge for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was more than just my research. It became also my coursework, right? Mm-hmm. I actually had a company that wanted to get a copy of my my database course. Syllabus. And I was like, I'm not gonna send you my syllabus. <laughs> what are you what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I started asking questions about, well, share with me what you're thinking, because I've been an instructor at this point, you know, 10 years. Share with me what you're thinking and I can help you like navigate that space. And I was doing it out of a not charging them for money. Just mm-hmm. Let's have a a conversation about this, and let's you know move forward. And they ghosted me, and I was like, okay, so they oh, just yeah. wanted my syllabus so they could do something with it internally.
0: Copy paste, paste.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so y'all want my syllabus too? I was like, oh yeah, no, y'all mm-hmm. not getting that either. So I realized it was both the educational and instructional components that I, that I brought to the table and that pedagogy, as well as the research direction. So I was like, this is a, you know, learning and development sort of endeavor that I'm leading. And that means that, you know, I'm not only doing research in you know, data engineering and data analytics, but also in this data ethics space, now like rebranded as Responsible AI, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: and and as well as just professional development of adults and what does that look like? And that's what led me to building a company. At first it was just speaking engagements that I was doing. Um, then it became speaking engagements and webinars. Um, and then it became speaking engagements, webinars, and I'm doing a couple of workshops and we'll see, you know, where it goes from there. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just building it up. I'm not trying to create the next, I don't know, (laughs) um, online education platform. Right. But I'm working at trying to understand how to just share ethically what does that mean responsibly and with accountability what does that mean within the data and ai space um and so yeah it's a boutique type of firm right now solopreneur with a you know couple of con you know consultants slash contractors but i started just to realize for myself just how much value i brought and how different i was from the traditional tech culture correct Yes, and I didn't realize how valuable that was until I started to write about it till I started to speak about it. and people were like yes we want you to talk and then you know that's how I got a book deal that's how you know I started writing on medium like all these opportunities came because I stopped being
0: hidden from myself yes so I like the way you articulated that um because for me, I can just literally see with clarity exactly what you mean because I think a lot of us, especially uh women and stem black women who have really honed their skills and their excellence and knowledge and all of that and leadership, is what we find is that we don't realize we're great. Like a little bit, we know we're great. And secretly behind closed doors, our leadership will be like, you know what, this is, this is awesome. But then they'll go and they'll use our excellence and our awesomeness and build their own platform with it. Um, and it makes them look like they're the excellent, you know, they're the brains behind things. And so yeah, we see that happens so much. It's just kind of like, it's, it's, it's the way corporate is set up to be though. So you, you, you can't necessarily, you don't look at it as like, oh no, what are they doing? It's almost like it's expected. Cause that's, you know, that's the leader. And so at some point you get over like, yeah, that's the leader, but they put on their pants one leg at a time. Just like I do. Right. I am excellent at what I do. They're able to present on this because I literally fed them
1: everything.
0: The I mean, birth. Them. Yeah, everything.
1: everything. Yeah, 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 and that and that was the the tipping point for me was when yeah. I would say something, and then it would somehow come back to me. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking? About? What? <laughs> Excuse right. me. You know, and yeah. and or I would get murmurings mm-hmm. about, well, you were mentioned. And I was yeah. like, yeah. who mentioned me for why? Why am I in the conversation? <laughs> why is yeah. my name brought up? Why am I not in that room? Instead of for I'm being told I was in a conversation. Right. right. And and the, the the inability in order to support a vision or to support someone that has a vision I mean I glitched. I mean I just did not compute that. I mm-hmm. did not understand mm-hmm. why it was so important to maintain control over me. Yes. When what I was doing was so counterculture. Mm-hmm. So you, you you can't you can't control this. And so then I became emboldened. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. y'all going to try to control me? I got you. I will stay
0: silent. Right. Because see, you're there, you're in those positions, especially in those hierarchy organizations. You are there to be used. And mm-hmm. they can discard of you when they feel like it. And Correct. being able to lose that that control or for you to have an awakening, like, no, I'm here when I, you know, I'm here free will and I could leave and you know I can make more money on my own. I like you guys don't control this. I'm an individual when people realize that that's kind of like, you know what <laughs> I can do more than this. Right. 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 And so, yeah, like I, um, I, I, I've seen it a hundred times. I can identify with it, but not to the extreme that you have. I, you know, I had a different yeah. career path than you, but I right. understand a lot of the things that, that you are stating and you have written online. Um, yeah. And I just
1: say one more thing before you ask the next question. So there is the position in the title that was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. What I realized was that the authority wasn't and couldn't be. Yes. And so I just want to put that out there to everybody that, that the position in the title can be taken away, but the authority that you hold cannot. Mm -hmm. That is correct.
0: Wow. So it, it's it's interesting you put it that way and how we internalize kind of minimizing ourselves when we're in those environments, right. even though we've been told and we just started this conversation with saying the foundation of our culture for those of us who have been um, told that education and the importance of it and no one can take it away from you and all. But for some reason, that's forgotten about when we get in those environments because we become so like more driven out of fear that okay like I'm making money now and you right. know like you don't want to mess things up but right. you got the fundamental of what you have been taught that once you have the education you know how to execute and do things no one can take that away from you correct correct so and that's
1: the and that's money. the problem mm-hmm. and that's the problem is that we sometimes go to the extreme of education. That mm-hmm. education became, becomes our crutch. Mm-hmm. So when we don't know what to do or we don't know how to stand in our light, we therefore go and say, we need more education.
0: That's it, that's it.
1: And we don't necessarily need more education. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just need to learn on our own. Sometimes, sometimes we need a boot camp mm-hmm. right in order to help
0: us stay focused, mm-hmm. but it's not because we're looking for a degree that is correct. It is interesting you say that because I did a post on LinkedIn and I don't remember why it came up, but um it obviously came up in one of these cool conversations I have with folks like you mm-hmm. and I it came up that women, especially black women, are admonished a lot of times for getting, you know, more education, more degrees, more certifications, you know, at this point black yeah. women are the most educated. Right. right. So uh, a lot of people will admonish black women for doing so. And I try to help people understand that it's, they have been, we have been inadvertently told that we're not enough. See, you had, yeah. you weren't able to get the titles that you want. You couldn't become the president of the university. Maybe it was more education you needed. No. Once you realize it's the politics. hmm right? Like Mm -hmm. then you'd be like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not getting more degrees. I listen, I I'm, I'm intelligent. I can learn this in two weeks. I don't need three years to do this. Right. But all of the, all of the confusion sets in as we get out into the world. Like it's just, I call it confusion because we don't sit still. We have too many influences in our In our ear, like in around us and what we're seeing and we lose focus on what we know for sure. So I always tell people, take time to, to yourself and say, what do I know for sure? I don't care if you got to write it down. What do I know for sure? Get refocused on that um, before you go spend another hundred grand on a degree or, or whatever (laughs) it is. Um, It's hard. It's hard. But I also don't believe in admonishing black women or women overall who are you know just thinking they need more education in order to you know move up in positions and all of that. It's because we're inadvertently told that we need it during interviews, during yeah. conversations. They will say, well, you know, hey uh, Brandeis, have you? Led a company of a uh, hundred people before, and have you had P responsibilities? Right, and, and you're just like, well, no, I no, have- <laughs> yeah, but I, <laughs> but-, but I have done, yeah, yeah, but you haven't. But wait a minute, I'm interviewing to be a professor. Like, what the hell does that have to do? That has with- to do with anything. Exactly. But that's how they trip you up. That's how they confuse you. That's exactly. that's how they confuse you. And exactly. that is what happens to women time and time again. Okay. Yep. So we, yep. get, we never are like, given the benefit of the doubt. We there are, you go. Our, it our, makes our us start down ourselves, like, well, wait a minute. Well, maybe I need an MBA and then yep. maybe I can get promoted. Like you start thinking all these things. They're asking you questions that's not even related to success in the job that you're interviewing exactly. for guys. Exactly, exactly. So in that moment, this is, this is the thing. And I think it comes with age and you mm-hmm. can tell me what you think Brandeis. Cause I was the little shy 20, 20 year old engineer, you know, <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. At this age, I, in that moment, I would say, <laughs> does the answer to that question reflect excellence in the role that you're interviewing me for? Right. Right. I would, I would right. ask them that. Right. You understand? Yeah, so, yeah. so I think that we have to become better at having, having a comeback. Right. So ask them the question then. You know what I mean? Like, but we're, 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 we're getting there. We just have to keep having these discussions.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, the, the amount of time I spent in my twenties trying to be validated. Oh my gosh. And, and so when I'm around 20 sums, I just, I want to laugh and I I probably come off very rude because i'm just kind of like baby like you don't need anybody's like approval like what are you doing um and 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 so just that decade of trying to validate who you are not really knowing who you are Mm -hmm. but then once you grow up when you want like not a play adult but a real adult Mm -hmm. you then yes you start asking questions of the institutions that you are engaging with like okay, employer, what you going to do for me for real? Because Mm -hmm. you're going to get this from me. You're going to get all of my skills that I've learned and all of my experience. You're going to extract that out of me for your benefit. But what am I getting in return? And that to me is what happened over the pandemic is that all of a sudden a whole lot of people started to realize, oh, snap, I am valued outside of the workplace, Right. So now the workplace is still trying to figure out how to deal and contend with that, but that's what the pandemic, as a cascading effect, did. There was an awakening. Awakening. <laughs> Everybody was like, "Oh, snap! Right, this business can't run without this team or without these individuals. And so that um, that is what we're we're contending with when it comes to the current. And the future of work, mm-hmm. and why I left academia because I was like, I see where the education industry is going, and I'm I'm just gonna bail out now.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So as someone who, um, as an adjunct professor, you know, when I have time, I taught um, during the pandemic, like two different semesters. And Ooh, bless you. Yes, that you would know exactly what I'm what I experience, right? Yes, and so when you say, Oh, I see where this is going, mm-hmm, let me get out. That's what I, I was like, Oh gosh, this is how this is how you guys are gonna operate, mm-hmm. you know. So, you as you mentioned in your medium article, I, guys, I'm gonna share a link to the article in the show notes. I want you all to go read it and, and follow Brandeis. But in your article, you mentioned how basically the students were not not really engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of one of those things where I can understand there there was empathy for everything that was happening in the world. But yeah. the problem is, even once there was no longer this heightened sense of fear and anxiety, it's, that mindset still continued. Like correct. It, it's it's not going back and the thing is the the schools are like okay as long as they paying us you keep moving them along great and that to me
1: was what was i can't do it messed up my constitution yeah. <laughs> i, I just, can't do it no. i i just like this is this is my line this is where this is my off ramp yeah i i could not um continue to be doing the politics mm-hmm. with the student success Mm -hmm. yeah I just was like I I if if they fail they fail Mm -hmm. if they don't if they don't do the work they don't do the work I can't contend with all of the all of the things like so many people got sick and I and during the heightened period yes I was very much like I'll reopen you know the assignment in the submission box or what have you but at a certain point, I just got to the place like, you guys are just making everything so emotional mm-hmm. and not in a, it's not like a mental health issue way. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a difference,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. but it just, that that was like a crutch
0: right. for some.
1: Right. And, and I just want to make sure that is very clear. The distinction I, I, I taught for 23 years. So I taught a generation. So I've seen students that have had mental health crises, have had anxiety crises, have had ADHD way before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you it is different after the pandemic, but there also is some students who try to gamify it. And I know the difference because I've been teaching so long. So that is where I was just like, okay, we're as professors I felt like I was just trying to police the nonsense
0: yep the cheating
1: and the like like, I'm not doing this no more like if y'all don't want to be here if y'all just want to be on IG and TikTok go right ahead I'm not going to stop you I I don't I don't if if, it and because I taught at a private institution I just gave a rundown for how much it cost like you understand that you know you basically have 10 classes a year that you take it's about fifty k a year, so that's about five k a class. You, if you want to spend your money by looking at IG and TikTok during class and not taking notes and not asking questions, that's on you, boo boos. Right,
0: <laughs> right.
1: I, I was the, I was the eighteen year old in college that was doing yeah. the math to figure out how much each class was essentially costing me, and I was that's like, okay, fun. it's that's about two hundred dollars a class. My butt's mm-hmm. going to class. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know what the issue lies in the administration and the, um, you know, the politics involved with life, but here's the thing that affects the, it's like, it's a domino effect because that affects the quality of the product that comes out. That is either, uh, prepared for the workforce to add value to the economy, to the workforce, to things that they do being employed, not being employed, um, being a taxpayer, like, because you can, you know, be gainfully empo- employed and pro- actually provide value to the world outside of being a content creator. You know what I mean? Um, dance, talk, whatever it is. And so <laughs> I, I, I hate to sound like a, a old fogey, you know, in a lot of ways, <laughs> right. but, but I remember my, my students. You know, I was one of the, the younger professors and, and they, they really respected my, my stance on things. Cause I would speak like, honestly, I mean, I'm an adjunct, so right. I would bring the experiences from the real world to the classroom that day. Yeah. Like yeah. that day, like, listen, yeah. this is, you know, someone who interviewed for a job with me and mm-hmm. this is you know the outcome of that this is what they said this is what they and this is not going to work guys it's not going to work you can't demand that i pay you 65,000 and you don't know how to use excel i'm sorry right that is not how this is going to work right and so having those real conversations some would get it and be like oh wow yeah you know and then others wouldn't and the ones that didn't Unfortunately, the schools provide, you know, a crunch. Yeah. Just tell you to to push them through. So anyways, I say all that to say you are still an educator because you have started the data edX group. So I'm always messing that word up. I want you to say it, (laughs) (laughs) the way you pronounce it. So the company that you started is data edX
1: group and it is data education with the x factor and the x factor is me it is the conversation the sprinkling the flavor of how to make practical ethical and responsible um, curriculum for adults and those adults include educators scholars and practitioners so yeah i Am just trying to get adults to be okay with being uncomfortable and mm-hmm. how they navigate this data infused AI craze society.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot about broadening their understanding. Some of it is really answering questions. That's what's been happening over the past few, few weeks because people have questions about like AI hallucinations. They have questions about generative AI. They have questions about what does it mean to be equitable Mm -hmm. in their practices of like their day-to-day activities on the job. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do.
0: Oh, so you mentioned a lot of terms that I'm pretty sure everyone that listens to this don't understand, but I'm going to tell you guys that, Um, these are things that you'll need to understand because d- uh, data hallucinations, you know, they don't realize a lot of these, uh, generative AI tools make up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's they- lies. It's right. li- I
1: say it's lies, y'all. It's lies.
0: <laughs> AKA tell you lies. Right. But then people believe it and r- run off with it, you yeah. know? And so, um, there's so, there's so much to unpack there, but. Yeah. As far as the, the group that you've the company you've created, you also have like a, a group, right. With folks that are, um, in the field and you guys engage, I'm saying outside of, let's say workshops or teaching, don't you have like a, kind of like a small group community that you also have that folks can, yes. um, learn more. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: So, yeah. So underneath the umbrella of data Ethics group, I created black women in data, which is really our you know, social impact arm. And it is a group of experienced Black women who are, tend to be leaders and they have data roles. So they tend to be in the data industry for five to seven years, um, many, sometimes more. And we meet monthly in order to talk about alternative streams of income. And we also just lift each other up. And and of course, it all commonly it all comes together with an annual conference, which I call the Black Women in Data Summit,
0: and which is coming up by
1: the way, which is coming up, yes, September twenty third, twenty fourth of two thousand thirteen, here in Atlanta and online, um, in order to have these richer conversations. Because what I found out very early on in my data journey um, is that there's not many black women. We account for less than 1% of the industry, yet we are the most targeted. And as you mentioned before, one of the most educated demographics. Mm -hmm. So because data and its cousin AI are so important, we need to be at the data table. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted the black women in my network and their network in order to come together to have a conversation over a day and a half and to really be able to be unmasked and unmuted. So this is an anti-tech conference. It is not sitting down listening to someone's research. We're talking about practical steps, like you are going to be on a panel that's going to be talking about monetizing your data IP. So you're going to bring your serial entrepreneurship, Monique, and you're going to be talking about it so that Black women who never even thought that they were valued can see you as an example up on that stage as well as with other people um and then just get inside of workshops and start working a plan and start Mm -hmm. just to open up those possibilities of what they could be what they could do and knowing that it's it 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 is within them so that's that's black women in data and Mm -hmm. i just i i love the group i love the conversations a lot of people are scared Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. But they're still
0: trying and that's and that's the goal is try. Keep trying. And then yeah, and you make progress with that. So everyone, I'm gonna put in the show notes links to both the Data Ed X group, um, and the and the link to the black women um and data event that's coming up in September twenty twenty three. I think you said twenty thirteen by mistake. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, <I'm> just- <laughs> No, Ooh, no, no, 2023, no. guys, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, whoops. I didn't mean to say well, I've I'm, I'm no, 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 time before. <laughs> it's fine. It's so exciting to have an idea and just create something from scratch. Like people have no idea what that yeah. feels like. And it's such a fulfilling thing. So you had an idea, you had knowledge and expertise, and the rest of you know what, I'll figure it out. I mean, that's really the combination of anything, of creating anything from scratch. It's like, you know, I'll figure it out. Let's move forward. And from that, you went from an idea to building a company, to building a conference that's annual. You know, you have speakers. I'm one of the speakers and I thank you for inviting me. Um, It's just incredible the impact you're able to have on so many people when you're willing to take the leap. Exactly. You gotta try, and you gotta it's, try. It's, a, it's I always call it. It's
1: the you know F I O, the figure it out.
0: <laughs> oh, and I say everything. It's funny you say that because I say everything is figure figure it outable. Yeah. It's not even a word. It's a word I made up, but yeah. it's true. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and I think just as like as you know, scientists, engineers, you know, folks in STEM, we look at everything as a problem to be solved. Right. Um. And so to us everything is figure outable. Um and there are multiple solutions to 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 things. Yeah. Um but there are certain things that are um let's say responsible and moral and other things that are not. So I want to take it back to this whole AI thing cuz you have some you know some serious issues with the way things are going right now and I completely see what you mean. Yes, AI can be used for good but also there's it's not enough um guardrails. Yes. Guardrails. Yeah. I Responsible usage of it. Yeah. there's. So what, are, what are some of the things that, that, uh, you know, oh, elaborate on that some more.
1: Yeah. That, that caused my heart to palpitate <laughs> is, <laughs> is the fact that, that AI systems and, and tools are released without anyone really vetting them for harm. hmm there, there is, of course, there is the facial recognition that many people are familiar with in the mainstream because there's misclassification, especially of melanated skin folks. Mm-hmm. So that's one big issue, but there's other harms that happen underneath when it comes to, you know, mortgage lending and yeah. business loan determine and understanding credit scores. Women have a look tend to have a lower credit score than men. Why is that? Um, There is the notion that AI could somehow figure out your opinion or your sentiment, your emotion, whether you're happy or sad, that's not true. So there's a lot of applications of AI that are happening and that are just like thrown into the society without any type of oversight. And the people who are harmed tend to be the people that the systems weren't designed for. And that tends to be melanated people, black and Latin people, um, indigenous people. Um, And so our culture helps build and make these tools globally successful, but yet we are not the the recipients of the compensation.
0: Oh, there you go. So how...
1: Can I be about the AI when the AI extracts
0: my culture? Let's talk about it. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. So here's the thing. And, you know, folks look at it as like magic, you know, because we take for granted our understanding or ability to quickly understand these concepts because we have been trained for years at this. And so I don't want to make anyone, uh, you know, I always tell folks, listen, listen, I don't um, want, I don't want anyone to feel less than, or that they don't understand, or that they, no, I just trust that we've been trained for years in order to quickly grasp these concepts and elaborate on them pretty quickly. Yeah. So, and that's not everyone that is, that is just, you know, people who really come from the STEM fields. So, um, what everyone needs to realize is these algorithms The way these uh, programs make decisions and um, how they decide to behave is all programmed by humans. Correct. And And a lot of
1: the humans are pretty homogeneous. There you go. They pretty much look the same. They, They are from very, very complementary cultures. There you go. And that tends to be a, the dominant culture in society. It there does not tend to come from historically excluded groups.
0: There you go. And with periods, <laughs> <and, laughs> Exactly. And with that, the harms that um, underrepresented groups experience are perpetuated in mm-hmm. the technology. Okay. So I just yeah. want people to understand that. Cause they think a lot of people believe that, oh they, they don't make anything about race. And it's just like, no, no, no. We yeah. just want, we're not saying like, okay, they created this system. They specifically created this system to be racist. No, that's not it. Like it wasn't like this master brain to say, how can I just dis- use this to discriminate against people? What we're right. saying is the people who created it are the same homo- homogeneous population um that's the majority population that rather they um realize it or not right through the the systems that in place in a way the way just the thing the the world is set up it just mm-hmm. continues to perpetuate the behaviors yeah. that we all say hey this needs to change so we cannot yeah. fall asleep at the wheel correct so that's oh, the hey, I got why. Uh-huh.
1: and that's the reason why when i even when i wrote my book i started i started it out not at technology i started it out with like political and 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 legal and scientific mm-hmm. type of structures because all these other structures came first the social the cultural the political the economic the scientific all those structures came first and then came technology so technology is a reflection of all the other systems and factors yeah. yeah and and it's so everything in all those other systems included race and made hierarchical systems so therefore technology has adopted and adapted and then scaled that's that that adoption that's it
0: yeah yeah the scary part is the scaling part guys yeah the scary part is the scaling part see before technology, if something was concentrated in just a town, a neighborhood, an area, right? Like at least it was just concentrated to, a, a, you know, to a particular area. But with technology, it scales it across the world. It is 24-7. Uh, right. it's, it's it's everything. And so we have to be responsible. And that's why I, I respect and follow and love the work that you are doing Brandeis. Um, As you guys heard, Brandeis has a book um, and it goes deep into this. You have to see the reviews online, guys. You have to see it. I'm going to link to the book uh, in the show notes so you guys could take a look. Um, And wow. You know what, Brandeis? I I don't want to make this interview too long, (laughs) <laughs> but I really could just go in and keep going and going and going. And cause we can really vibe yeah. on these topics. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to link to things associated with you and I got to have you back on the show um, awesome. in the future. Yes. Um, and I want you to let people know where they can follow you. I'm going to share, of course, your LinkedIn page, but where they can follow you and hear your musings and all of that stuff if they'd like to um, and also get in touch with you.
1: Awesome. Well, definitely LinkedIn. Um, That's where I do a lot of my more current um, spicy musings (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, and also medium. So uh, I do have um, a medium page. I've been writing pretty regularly over the past year, a little more than a year, um so you get to see some of my longer uh longer form musings if you want just like a little shot every couple of weeks. I do have the rebel tech newsletter um where I do pick an article, and from that article, I talk about my my feelings my thoughts um and sometimes link in some research on what is happening in the current space in the data and a i world so those are the three places um as far as website those will probably be linked in the show notes cuz it's yep. blackwomenindata.com and then dataedx.com. um but yeah i just i'm just trying to make the impact in order to say just listen to this point of view decide for yourself and be fully informed
0: oh what one more thing i forgot yes. you recently announced that um you had funding for a new initiative, um, the Atlanta yes. Interdisciplinary AI Network. And there's something about it going live in July. So tell me a little bit about this. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this is a collaboration with Emory, um, Georgia Tech, and of, of course, Data edX Group. Um, and it's funded out of the Mellon Foundation. It's really a a three year project in order to really bolster humanity centered and justice driven type of ai mm-hmm. and this is really based in atlanta so that we can talk about these social and economic and technical concepts that's really rooted in the atlanta area so given all of the different civil rights Histories within Atlanta. We thought it was a good place in order to have a conversation about AI, and particularly because the Atlanta area is fifty no forty eight percent black. So mm-hmm. this is the first AI initiative with substantial funding that's based in a most uh, you know like nice yeah. mostly black. Area, Um, and so we're trying to, you know, have research and courses and develop researchers who have this humanities-focused lens, so that we're bringing in the, the humans first Mm -hmm. rather than last. Yeah, technology is
0: great, but we have to bring humanity back exactly.
1: Well, I'm, I mean, definitely we're going to be linking up um, offline because, you know, the AI, AI network that, sorry, the URL is AI, AI.network. And it's going to, it is going to launch in July. And this is what we're looking to have conversations about. We're going to, you know, community workshops just to kind of get some, you know, data and AI literacy to some people, which maybe some of your business owners just need to understand how Mm -hmm. AI works. There might be conversations just with policymakers. It might be conversations on finding workers for these small small companies yes. so that they can automatically not have a data gap inside of their organization from the beginning. So there's just as there's a lot of connections mm-hmm. that yes, this AI, AI network is trying to do for this purpose because we're just trying to level the playing field. AI doesn't need to be a divide. Like we've seen with the digital divide, we can do things differently. We have this opportunity, so let's seize it to close the gaps rather than extending them.
0: Oh, what a way to bring this episode to a conclusion in Brandeis. Like this is, this is great. I'm excited. You can even tell by this. I mean, <laughs> so uh, guys, I'm going to link Uh, share a link to the AI AI network and to all the other great initiatives and things that Brandeis is working on. And Brandeis, thank you so much for joining us on the Unpolished MBA podcast. Thank you, Monique. You are magnificent. (laughs) (laughs) Right back at you. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.